This is Point Blank. Hey everybody, welcome to the Point Blank Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan McCrary. I'm joined here with my friend, Dallin Stimson. Today we're going to be talking about a variety of things, including sports, movies, and gaming. Our other guests will join us later to join into the discussion. Their names are Dodge, Dylan, and D'Artagnan. Um, I guess we'll start off today by talking about the NBA playoffs. Uh, what have you seen so far from the Trailblazers that you like? They play tough. They uh, they won't back down from a fight, even if they're down ten. I I didn't watch Game Six, but looking at the scores on my phone, they were down pretty big by ten plus points, and they were able to come back. So it's uh, it's really relieving to see that that they won't give up even with a blowout in Game Five. Yeah. Um, it's weird, weird, weird thing seeing going back and forth. Uh, seems like whenever I don't watch a game or I'm unable to because of work, we always end up losing. I finally got uh, a day off. I was able to see game six. We did start off down 10 early, uh, in the first half, but, um, that was due in, in the, for the most part to offensive rebounding as, as has been the story all season, all series, I should say, uh, between the Nuggets and the Trailblazers. Um, you see guys like Paul Millsap and even the guards uh, getting in there as soon as the as soon as someone like Ennis brings down a defensive rebound, they'll put their hands in there and try to strip it. Uh, I'm I'm guessing personally that it's probably a coaching thing that Mike Malone uh, gave them tips on, try to guide their their way of getting those strips and offensive rebounds. It may, it, may, it makes sense. Because they've been very aggressive almost every single chance they have. Mm-hmm. Look, going forward into Game 7, uh, what do you see as a big key? Because Denver's the best home team in the NBA this season, um, as far as their record shows. They're a much different team when they get to play in Denver in, that, uh, in the thin air up there at mile high. What do you what do you see going into there, and how do you think that Damian Lord and company can come out of there with a win? They just got to shoot the ball better. I mean, when you look back on Game Five, I mean that's the biggest, uh, the biggest thing you can take away. Um, no matter how well the Blazers guarded the any of the Nuggets players, they were able to make their shots, mm-hmm. which is something you cannot stop. Yeah, you just have to hope they miss. So the best way for the Blazers is just to shoot well. And when, um, it, when it boils down to it, it's your stars are going to play like like stars. They're they're going to they're going to have to. They're going to they're going to put in their work and play. But I th- I think personally, I'd say where the key is to this game is how can guys like Aminu and Harkless play 
Can they shoot? Can they make their shots? Because Stotts had their minutes down to 15 minutes a game during Game Six, and it showed because Hood and uh, Collins got more minutes, and we oh, were, yeah we were able to really take advantage of that. Collins played excellent defense on Millsap. Millsap had his probably worst game of the series in Game Six, um, but it doesn't mean that Collins and Ami or not Collins, uh, Harkless and Aminu are useless because no, not at all. They still bring the defensive effort there and they can make shots sometimes, but how are they? But they're just inconsistent. That's the problem. Inconsistency. And that's, it's a problem with our wings from time to time, especially being who they are, what their play style is. I think another key to the game, uh, for this next, for game seven, I should say, um, is really coaching adjustments. I feel like a lot of coaches have their guys that they'll play big majorities of the game and of the time. And I feel like Stotts grew in in my eyes as a coach this last game because he was able to switch the lineups, which is something I hadn't seen in a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, When I see the – because, you know, like I said again, I didn't – watch the majority of the game because I had class. Even looking on ESPN uh, for their minutes, it was way more than any of the previous games. So, adjustments were the biggest thing that, that I could take away from that game as well, considering there wasn't much done in Game 5 Absolutely. that Terry Stotts did. Because nothing was changing other than the fact that the Nuggets were just building the lead. Yeah, you can see it from quarter to quarter. In fact, at the end of Game Five, I thought might as well put in Anthony Simons and uh, Scalabissier because uh, well, they should know about bringing us back from over twenty point deficits as we saw in the last game of the season. Yeah. I feel like the impact of that game um, will not only grow Anfernee as a player, but also the fact that he matched us up with OKC, and we had that uh, initial round win, so it ended up being quite an important game. I would love to see him in the the rotation next season. I really would. He's a young guy. Um, Like Collins came in really young. They both came in uh, at 19 years old, I believe, but... I think he he already has the skills to ball with uh, the big the big man out there. Um, I just think he needs the opportunity because he he can score. It's like oh yeah, even from the from the Kings game. I mean, for granted, the Kings aren't really a good team. Yeah, but when you can put up thirty plus points. Yeah, if you're if you're outclassing people as a reserve, you're gonna bring that to another level and start outclassing people as starters too. At least I, I I could be wrong, but I do think that Simmons got thirty plus points. I could be wrong. I know he. I think he did. I think he had a really he had a really big game. I'd pull up those official stats, but I could see him becoming a part of the rotation. I just I wish he was a a wing. I just wish he was a wing because we have so many great scoring guards uh, from lower to McCollum to Hood and back to Anfernee. But our wings, um, our wings just aren't built for scoring. They're great on defense. Don't get me wrong. You got uh, 
got Aminu and Harkless. But if I we mean, those are those are the two best defenders on the team. Yeah, if you could somehow, and this is a pipe dream, I know. I'm a big Kawhi Leonard fan. If the Blazers somehow got a guy like Kawhi Leonard against all odds, we were able to move contracts off the books. It would be it would be the perfect compliment to the team. I think it would make them really unsolvable in many aspects. Well, not only that, you have another option. Yeah, cuz I'm thinking of a of a lineup of Lillard McCollum Kawhi Leonard, Collins, and Nurkic. And I just don't see a team in the league that could beat that. Now, Kawhi, Kawhi's in his last year in Toronto. And, of course, everyone's going to say he's going to L.A., whether it be the Clippers or the Lakers. But what are the odds, you think, of him choosing a surprise team? Because he's he's a little unpredictable, I'd say. It's, it's hard to say. Um... He doesn't really give you much. He doesn't really give you much. That's the thing. He's a very reserved player. That's why I, I think that's why I like him a lot because he he reminds me of Lord. He just like he let us play do the talking. He won't buy in too much to whatever anyone else is trying to say. Um, I feel like his attitude uh, it's misinterpreted. I think he just wants to play the game and have fun. Yeah, it'll, it'll be an interesting off season for sure. Do you think uh, do you think the Raptors were wise to trade for Kawhi Leonard to trade away DeMar DeRozan, or do you think it's going to come back to hurt them? It it will only hurt them if Kawhi leaves, because ultimately the whole point was to get Kawhi, and if you lose Kawhi in the off season, you don't really have much to that you got from that trade. Because if I remember correctly, it was just the two players, no picks or anything. I can't remember the specific details, but that that was the main. Because um, they traded uh, Jakapertl to San Antonio as well. Um, but that was more more of a small part of that trade. Oh, okay. But he there it was a, it was a multiplayer trade. Um, the thing is, but but here's the thing, I. Kawhi Leonard is ten times a player DeRozan is. Yeah, and he provides more. Than and just the if you have side. the opportunity to get a guy like Ka- Kawhi Leonard, why not go for it? And I agree there because if the if the Blazers had assets beyond their big three, I'd love to trade some of that for a guy like Kawhi Leonard. Even even for a year, that would even be even for a year. A year, I think, would especially be, like this year. Especially this year, because I think. It, uh, this year would prove to a guy like Kawhi Leonard that um, Portland sometimes gets a bad rap as far as like destinations going free agency, and that's basically the only way you can build a small market team is through trade and the draft because um, they're just not going to get as much ex- exposure as other teams. No, and like you, you've watched ESPN and stuff. It's like yeah. <laughs> 99% of that's coverage is Lakers, Lakers-Knicks coverage. Yeah. And, like... Well, because it, it's the appeal to, to the bigger market, to the bigger, the most money-making. And the sad thing is, we want to say that New York is the the big city, big market, but 
the poor Nets, man. <laughs> the Nets don't get. The Nets are coming. The Nets don't get as much coverage, but the Nets are my second favorite team in the NBA after the Trailblazers. And a guy like D'Angelo Russell, who they the Lakers kind of turned their back on him, along with uh, with other guys. Um, Which but, might bite them in the butt. Considering I'd, I'd say it already has. I don't think the Lakers have much right now going for them besides the best player in the world. Besides that, I think they have a crisis of management. Yeah, just a little bit. And I won't. I won't jump on the Laker hate train. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to be the psychologist here for them because I have a lot of Lakers fans, friends listening to the podcast that I'm friends with. Uh, I'm wishing the best to them. But it's a bit of a train wreck right now. <laughs> it, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch a little bit. Other people dislike the Lakers more than I do. Um, I've, as far as my least favorite team in the league, I've always been a Houston Rockets hater. <laughs> pretty, pretty much the same for me. That's been my whole life. Um, Brandon Roy, Lillard, all those guys had like big games against big Houston. Games. Houston was always built as the villain in my in my eyes. I remember watching the two thousand. Uh, thirteen, fourteen series, and just coming into there, Dwight, Dwight Howard, and James Harden came in as those guys that you just like, just get under your skin. They bug you, but it's it's fun. It's fun to see like the evolution of the league and what it is from when I first started watching basketball and uh, how unstoppable the Celtics and Lakers are, and how quickly that was no longer true. But not the Warriors. Now it's the Warriors. Now we got a new problem to deal with. It never really ends. There's always a new dynasty creeping up around the corner. I think the next dynasty, and I'll, I'll ask what you think here in a second, but I think the next dynasty coming up is probably the Bucks. Oh, they already are. Uh, yeah, easily. Like, But at the same time, I think the Nuggets are also a team. Could be an upcoming dynasty too. Because let's be real, they have a really good point guard, they have a good shooting guard, they have a experienced, well-talented power forward, and they have probably one of the best centers in the league. They do. And I'll, I'll give uh, Jokic credit where it's due. I think Jokic, Jokic is a very good player. and He's a really good player. And he will surprise you with his athleticism. I don't. I don't want to be that guy that says sneaky athletic, but that's exactly what he is. He, he's he's a, he's a fat guy that can move. He is. He he can handle the ball better than most centers I've seen. Um, he he can really take it down the floor. We saw, we saw Minu try to cover him down the floor, and he yeah, I he, saw that highlight. He blew by. It was crazy to watch. Um, and I think he has a big. A big future ahead of them in Denver. Whether they put the pieces around them, we'll we'll wait and see. But they're they're all really young. They got they're they're, they're really young. They, they have the chance to grow. I mean, that's a team to watch out for in the next couple years. Mm-hmm. Might might end up being uh, Nuggets Bucks for years to come. Could be depending on what happens. Anything can happen because uh, I know we're talking basketball right now. But if you jump over to the NFL. Looking at the Redskins a couple of years ago, Robert Griffin III was coming out. He was a superstar. But then bad things happen with injuries. You never know. And you wish you wish that wouldn't happen. But uh, I try not to get too ahead of myself because anything really can. Well, the thing is, it's, it's part of the game. Yeah. I mean, you can 
use that as an excuse, but you know, after all, it's just a the game with injuries. Yeah, and it's about next man up and as we've seen from the Blazers this year, next, that's been the case. Next man up is really, really is the case, and they've had a really tough season if you look at it between the deaths and the, and the organization and the injuries and yeah, this has been a wild season. It just it really hasn't stopped, and I, I really think that uh, it's made them stronger as a team. I don't think they take it for granted, especially not guys like Lord. Um, he brings them together. They they know that this this is a special case. And uh, yeah. I mean, they have a chance to to either go home or advance. Advance to the Western Conference Finals for the first time since the year Y two K, which that team should have honestly won the championship. Yeah, seventeen points uh, up in the fourth quarter yeah. against against the. The Kobe, Kobe Shaq Lakers. But as history goes, they have another chance to rewrite history, assuming um, assuming they play Golden State. Golden State and Los Angeles are on the same level as world beaters of their respective time periods. So that could be another storyline to look into. Um, in addition to Portland forcing Game 7, last night the 76ers also forced Game 7. Jimmy Butler is a guy that plays with a lot of passion. Uh, Joel, Joel Embiid came out, had a big game as well. Um, how do you see the Game 7 of that series going out east while the Bucks await the winner? I like the Raptors better. I think they have a better chance to win, not only just because they have the home court, but because of Kawhi. Yeah, Kawhi is definitely an X factor. So, in in that regard, when you got a guy who can work both sides of the the floor, give you the offensive numbers you need while also playing really good defense, you're gonna have something to you're lean gonna, on. Yeah, yeah, and because I, the thing is, the Raptors also have re- really good pieces around them. Lowry can be inconsistent here and there. Yeah, uh, but you got Marcus Saul. I think a big thing also is like a little underrated sometimes is Siakam. Well, with Siakam, I, I, I that didn't even pop into my head. I think Siakam. Um, if you if you break this team down to its core fundamentals, I think Siakam is a big reason why they oh easily stuck together. I know he he comes out and puts up uh, good numbers too, but I think like the way. The way he plays the game complements all the other guys on the roster really well, so a guy like Kyle Lowry can have an off night, and I know people will give him a lot of trash on Twitter for it, um, and I've given him my own shit, but Kyle Lowry then will also have come back and have a good game. So it just really it really depends with Siakam and Leonard, obviously, because Leonard is Leonard, will come out and give the Raptors something to fight for. And on the, on the flip side... Uh, what do the 76ers have to do going into Toronto to upend the Raptors and then face an equally daunting task at playing Giannis? Well, I haven't watched much of the the series. Um, I just like the I like the Raptors' chances, but with the 76ers, I think Ben Simmons needs to keep continuing to do what he does. Because uh, he struggled the one game. Was it game 
five? I believe so. He, he struggled early in the series as well. And um, lately, the Sixers have been living and dying by Jimmy Butler. Okay. Because everyone, up until the last game, Joel Embiid hadn't really been Joel Embiid. Oh, he was Joel Embiid last night. Oh, he sure. was. He was. But they've been living and dying by Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler's been keeping them in the series. And it's a, it's a big reason why they, they went seven games. I feel like I feel like going into Toronto for Game 7, uh, Kawhi Leonard's going to be dialed in. So they they really need all their pieces to play good. Yeah, I to mean, come out of there with a win, from and top that to bottom that goes with any road team going into Game Seven. If Houston wins tonight, Game Six against Golden State at home in Houston, same storyline. You're going to need to show up on the road. It's hard to win. Uh, it's hard to win in Oracle. It's hard to win in Denver, and it's hard to win in Toronto. Uh, two, three very tough home environments. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see how it pans out. It's exciting to look at this. We're so very close to the conference finals. And one game away. One game away. We might have a potential for three game sevens, assuming that Houston wins tonight. Uh, and it'll be a very busy Sunday. I know I have work, but still going to have some. I might skip out on church. <laughs> cool games to watch. Oh, it's also Mother's Day. Uh, early happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Thank you for what you do. We appreciate you. We would not be here if it weren't for you. And, um, yeah, Sunday's going to be a big one. Uh I know, around 12th. They could flex the Trailblazers game. That's the one game that's in limbo right now Yeah, due to Houston and Golden State. If Houston it, it wins just, tonight, Portland could be moved up to the early slot. Which, which it doesn't really matter what time. If they play at 12.30, that means I get to watch it before we go to work at 3.30. So I'm not <laughs> complaining, personally. I'm excited to watch it. Um, also, my friend Dallin is a uh, moderator and leader over at Pinwheel Empire. Check him out. He's been coming up with a lot of memes lately and great content. Uh, worth a look. Pause for a break. We could talk about uh, the Warriors and Houston series for a bit. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break and be right back. Thank you so much for listening to the Point Blank Podcast. All right. And we are back. Um, so uh, what do you th- what do you see in the Golden State and Rocket series that intrigues you, and how do you see Game 6 panning out tonight? Well, obviously the, the number one obvious thing is Kevin Durant. Um, with how the Warriors are set up, they don't really have a good bench, and they rely heavily on, you know, Curry to, to Kevin Durant. When you have that much uh, capital invested in those first five guys, it becomes hard if one of them goes down. But they did. They did pull together and they did win last game. Um, it could very well have been a closeout game today in Houston, but. They won themselves, and now Houston has their backs against the wall. They did that without Kevin Durant, so they have. You have to think that gives them a little confidence going forward, since he will be missed at least for the rest of the series. It, it can, but the problem is Curry's not shooting the ball well. Thompson's not shooting the ball well. You're not going to get much out of Green. So, I think Houston has a legitimate shot of winning. Now the problem is, do I would I rather want the Warriors or would I rather want the Rockets? 
even with some of the Rockets' inconsistencies with some of their players, or whether it's inconsistencies with Curry and Thompson. Yeah, that's 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 also a good question. Assuming you're Denver and Portland, um, what's what's the bigger buzzsaw? Who would you rather play it, versus Golden State and Houston? I think for both teams, for the Blazers and the Nuggets, I think the better option is the the Warriors. You think so? With the with the Rockets, their their big their other big piece is Capella. So with the with the Blazers, you've got no one that can. He's not really a good offensive player, but he can't. He's very athletic. Mm-hmm. He can get to the glass really quick. He can, and I don't think that we have anyone that can box him out. No. Uh, in the same breath, though. I don't think he's offensively capable enough he's not. to put up points in a manner that can keep Houston in the game. So if you force the offense through their bigs, they wouldn't have a lot of success as to where if we forced the off- offense through Ennis, we'd be able to get at least at least a good scoring output. Well, the thing is, Capella's a really good defensive player. He is. So even though... If I were the Nuggets, I'd match up a little bit better with the the Warriors just because you don't have to deal with that defensive presence of Capella. This is true. It's I mean, even if you're man. as good as Jokic, you want it to be as easy as possible. And the Warriors, without DeMarcus Cousins, they don't have a center that can guard Yeah, Jokic. And Cousins, Cousins has said that he wants to come back before the playoffs are over, which is crazy considering his injury. And um, and that might just be talk because I know it's it's, it's difficult. Even, even Nurkic this last game said it's difficult to watch your team play and not be able to go out there and help them. And if he could, as he told Damian Lillard, if he could, he'd go out and play on the broken leg. Damian Lillard said, this guy's crazy. <laughs> But well, the the crazy thing is, is just how Blazers are still in this without him. Yeah, and I'm sure he'd rather be watching the game than being at home on the couch with them. Yeah, <laughs> with them home. Um, and it's it's really a testament to to how good this team is. Yeah, and how considering deep... how different flaws they have on certain players, like obviously. Harkless and Amanda are not really good offensive players, but can give you the defense that you need. Yeah, and the fact that uh, before this year, we hadn't really had a bench. The Blazers haven't had a bench. This is the best bench probably in the NBA. And they finally found the pieces that fit their style. Because if you look before, they'd get an ISO player that really didn't fit with the flow, like a Flalo and other guys like that that just... They seemed like good ads at the time, but it didn't work it out. It didn't work. And I think they finally have the team-minded guys on the bench that can complement the starters. And they go 2-3 deep now. I think it really is. This is the prime time, assuming they can bring the guys back or find another really big piece. I don't think the Blazers can bring back Hood. They can't bring back everyone unless they take a hometown discount. Hood has said how much he loves playing here, so has Cantor. Um, Hood's the biggest. I mean, both Hood and Cantor are probably the most 
obviously the most valuable. And then then it then it brings you back to Aminu and and Curry, who I feel like they they seem more like the odd guys out in this case. I mean, as much as this is probably an unpopular opinion, I'd rather leave have Seth leave. I would like I would like Simmons in the lineup, as I mentioned before. He's a he's a lot. I should well. He is a lot taller, isn't he? Simons. Yeah. Yeah. He he's a tall he's a taller guard, which is why I thought he was a wing when he came out. And he's um, like six foot four, I think. Yeah, he's just not very. He's not built. Good. He's not built. He's he's really thin. He's, he kind of reminds me of a a guard version of KD. But I would I would love to see him behind Lillard at the point guard. Hmm. And. I think that'd be probably a better upgrade in terms of an overall shooting yeah. than Curry. As much as it's weird to say that. Curry's a great shooter. He's just like, he doesn't create his own shot. He doesn't create his own shot. That's why that's what makes him more expendable. He's, as much as I love Seth, I've like as, as, as many guys on this team as I've had like problems with, like, hey, this guy needs to pick it up. I've never had to say that about Seth because he just plays his game. But at the same time, he limits... It, what you can do from it's, a point guard. It is a bit limited because of the fact that he can't do that on his own. That's why, if you noticed, it set a tons of screens for him to to get open, uh-huh. which is what they do in the Warriors' offense sometimes anyways. Yeah. He kind of plays better from like a, when other people like Lord and McCollum can create for him, get him open shots. Uh, he's he's usually a kind of player that takes a one one step move, one dribble, shoot. If not, he'll pass it out. Um, but as you said, Simon's 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 is a, he could be another Lillard. He's a term, natural scorer. He's a natural scorer. That's the thing. He can he can carry the ball. He can create his own shot. He can drive to the rim. Do what do what you need. And he's a super athlete, super dunker, which is like this is a good combination of skills for that guy. I hope. Because uh, we've been guilty in the past. Guys like Noah Vonley, um, Will Barton. We're not great at, I'd say, developing young talent when they're not in the game. McCollum, no, the Blazers are really good at developing. It's just not when they're it's re- just the timing is always really weird. Not when they're reserves, I feel like. I feel like they get players ready for different teams, almost. Like, they get them... They pretty much train them so that they can get big minutes on some on someone else's team. Like Vonley is starting it, to finally starting to become good. I think it's just more of timing. Yeah, because this is the, a hard time. The Will Barton that was weird timing. Um, the same thing with Vonley. It's it's definitely a hard time to be a reserve guard in Portland if you want to play starter minutes because McCollum and Lowe aren't going anywhere for a long time. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I think the Blazers are really good at developing players. The biggest one is McCollum. Yeah, like con- considering where he came came from after being behind Wesley Matthews, who's my favorite player of all time. I'll he say, wasn't even behind I'll Wesley say, Matthews. I'll he say was... on this podcast right now. Um, he he was actually like you're right there. He was several deep. He he wasn't even part of the rotation. It yeah. wasn't until Wesley Matthews got down uh, with his injury. When he uh, burst his Achilles against the Mavericks at the end of that year, I still remember that game. Man, I cried after that game. It was crazy. Um, he was my favorite player. Uh, the Blazers 
or on their way to the playoffs, very much like Nurkic's injury. And my thought was, man, it's happening again. It always happens to the Trailblazers. Pretty much. But, again, next man up, they did, they did their thing. They won in the playoffs. I think they went on to play against, who did they play against? Was it Memphis? Or was it L.A. in the first round that year? I don't think it was L.A. But they went into that playoffs a little shorthanded because Matthews went down. Oh, it was against the Grizzlies. I remember. It was against Memphis. And Conley Conley torched the Blazers that series. I think Conley was the only one who really did torch the Blazers. But it was enough for them to win the series. Yeah. And... McCall, I remember McCollum came in that series, played really good, and that pretty much solidifies solidified his status as a future starter for the Blazers going forward. Well, it also it also helps that pretty much that same year, that was a complete sweep of almost the entire team because that was the same year that Aldridge left, Batum got traded, uh, Robin Lopez. Didn't he get traded, or did he? He he. Uh, I think he, he left in free agency. He left. Okay. They just didn't. They just didn't go out and sign guys. The only guy that got traded was Batum. Okay. Um, the other three guys, for the from the starting rotation, they left. Or yeah, they left. Uh, so it was just lowered after that year, and they made the playoffs that year. They made the yeah, which is crazy. McCollum moved into a starting position. And ever since then, we, we've kind of known what to expect from this from this team and organization. It's always been, well, here's some adversity. Oh, what are we going to do to overcome that? Adjustments. Adjustments are big. Hey, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to the Point Blank Podcast. We'll be joined next episode with our other friends as we talk about all sorts of stuff. Thank you again for joining. Uh, peace.